I love wine, but sometimes it can get really expensive, which is why I'm so excited that today's episode is brought to you by Last Bottle Wines. If you don't know, they're a Napa-based online wine shop with a twist. They offer just one hand-picked wine per day until it sells out, which is often in hours. So new day, new wine, always at incredible prices. We're talking 30 to 70% off retail. And the best part is that there's no subscriptions, no fees, and no minimum purchase. Just a daily email with a really great wine. They're offering Datable listeners 10% off your first order with code Datable. And now is such a great time to join as their marathon sale is coming up on March 28th and 29th. They flip that one-day rule on its head and offer back-to-back deals, which means that wines are only up on the site for a couple minutes at a time and shipping is 100% free. They send us a mini marathon package of some of their favorites and let me tell you, they were delicious. Sign up at lastbottlewines.com and use the code DATABLE and find out why Last Bottle is the most fun way to discover and buy amazing wine. We are so thrilled to be partnering with Hinge. Hinge is the dating app designed to be deleted. As you all know, I'm a huge Hinge advocate as I met my partner of almost three years on the app. Even before meeting him, Hinge was always my go-to app because I met more relationship-minded people here and had some great dates. Clearly, I haven't been on the app for a little while, but I re-downloaded it to check out some of the new features. One that stood out to me was the voice prompt, my best friend's take on why you should date me, where your friend can hype you up. Not only does this make the profile creation less daunting, but it's not always easy to see your own green flags. So to test it out, I asked UA some fun prompts to get her take on what I could put if I was dating again. So the first one, how long have we known each other? What was your first impression of me and how has that changed? Julie and I have known each other for almost 10 years. My first impression of Julie was that she's very social, but I've learned that she has a lot more depth to her beyond the social butterfly that she is. My next prompt, what do you think are my green flags? I would say she's deeply loyal. She believes in love, curious mindset, and she is fearlessly ambitious. And then last but not least, what kind of friend am I? Julie is the kind of friend who will always have your back, no matter what. Damn, that feels nice to hear. So download Hinge and try voice prompts today. Then find someone worth deleting the app for. The Dateable Podcast is an insider's look into modern dating that the Huffington Post calls one of the top 10 podcasts about love and sex. On each episode, we'll talk to real daters about everything from sex parties to sex droughts, date fails to diaper fetishes, and first moves to first loves. I'm your host, USU, former dating coach turned dating sociologist. You'll also hear from my co-host and producer, Julie Kraftchik, as we explore this crazy dateable world. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Dateable, a show all about modern dating where we stop and ask, why do people do the things they do? You got to stop and ask all the time why people do the shit that they do. Why do they say the shit that they do? And same to yourself. Why do you do the things that you do? It's all about communication and questioning. (laughs) That's what we're teaching here on the Dateable Curiosity. Yes. All about curiosity. (laughs) I have to share. So, okay. So this, let's get into what this episode is about. So in case people are like, what? (laughs) Here they go. Going off on tangents again. (laughs) 
Uh, this episode is all about storytelling, how to tell your story. I'm sure we've all been in social situations or been on dates when someone's like, what's your story? So why are you still single? Or like, why are you, know, why, why are you on dating apps? Mm-hmm. It's like such an open-ended question, but there is a way to craft your story that not only tells everything succinctly, but also reveals just enough about you. So you don't mm-hmm. feel like you're defending yourself. Because I feel like when I get asked those questions, I feel... Like, I have to defend my choices. Well, there's something about that question that leads to defensiveness, for for sure. But I think this, I'm really glad that we were able to have Corey Rosen on this episode. He is not a dating expert at all. He doesn't claim to be a dating expert. He is a storytelling expert. And he recently wrote a book about storytelling, Your Story Told, which we'll go into in this too. But I've had the pleasure of actually taking his courses before. And UA actually came. I went on stage and told a story. Do you remember that? And you and forget. (laughs) It was like an open mic, but for storytelling. But it wasn't because we had like prepped these stories for like months. Not months, but like weeks, you know, we had prepped them for the the time of the class. And I I always really just enjoy that stuff because I think it's a really good skill to fine tune. And, you know, obviously like crafting your why story of like who you are, but also just, you know, as a conversationalist, being able to like converse well, like in life and on dates and whatever social situation. But I remember like you and our other friend, Deb, we'll give her a shout out, came and watched. (laughs) And at first I was like, I don't want to invite anyone because I'm kind of scared. And then I think I like let it out that I was doing this and you were like, we're coming. Yeah, (laughs) drop everything. You did so good though. I was so proud of you. Not only were you so comfortable on stage, but the story you tell you told was so well formulated and it had such a great punchline. So yes. I Well, that's what he teaches you. That's what he teaches you because I definitely didn't have that going in. But I think like we're not saying on this episode you're going to like have to come up with like the perfectly crafted story. But I think working those muscles just helps you engage day to day better, you know, and have more fun as you're talking to people. The best part about all of this is that what you think is mundane, what you think isn't really a great story is an awesome story to someone else. So you'll learn from Corey how to craft something out of nothing. (laughs) Yeah, I think actually that's important because I think especially during COVID times, a lot of things I've heard from people is, what do I even talk about on dates? Nothing's happened to me. I haven't done anything. But things are happening every day. Like you don't need to be taking crazy trips around the world to have a conversation to talk about. Like it's all about just like your observations and how do you like bond with someone? It's a really great communication skill, actually, Mm -hmm. storytelling. And I've been trying to hone in on my communication skills for quite quite a bit now. I told um, I've told Julie this before, like sometimes it's hard to tell how I feel about Mm -hmm. a situation because I'm very good at giving a poker face. So I'm like trying to communicate (laughs) a little bit better. But I finally got into Masterclass, Julie. I like I finally got on this. I I subscribed to Masterclass and I started their most popular Mm. class, which is on negotiation. Mm. Now, in this entire course, there are a few sections on how to create empathy Mm. in conversations. And if anybody's not taking this class, let me just give you three of the tidbits that I learned. And I think they're really great on dates. One is mirroring. Mirroring just means you just repeat what the other person just said. So if Julie said, I had a really great time uh, going to on the moonrise, it was just such a fun and unique experience. And if you're listening to the story, 
to mirror her, all you have to say is, oh, it was a really fun and unique experience and pose it as a question. Yeah. And what that does, you didn't ask how, you didn't ask why. What it does is just gives Julie the permission to keep going and revealing more about herself. I love that because you don't have to do much, but I know a lot of people on dates are like, do I ask these questions? What questions do I ask? How do I sound more interesting? Remember, the most interesting person in the room is the most interested. That's all you need to show. Yes, yes. I love that because then you're also not thinking in the future. Like I think we like sometimes yeah. this happens that you're, you want to come up with the best question. You want to show your interest. And then you basically already been listening to the story that someone's telling yeah, you. You're just reiterating. And it's like, if you just try it, people just keep going. They can keep mm -hmm. revealing more and more layers of themselves. The second tidbit is called labeling. So what you do is you listen to Julie's story. And at the end, you say something like, oh, it sounds like you really enjoy the outdoors. Mm. Or it sounds like you really enjoy romantic activities. So you're putting a label to the story so that Julie can then say, huh, I never really thought about that. But I, yeah, I do really like romantic dates. Oh, I like that. Yeah, it's really, I, I really love it. And the very, the very last tip I would give people is, I know we encourage people to ask why. Another great question to ask is how. Yes, Shieldy said this, the how, how, the how. how, how, how. <laughs> it's actually really neat because when you ask why, people can get defensive. So why mm. do you like romantic dates? But if it's a how, how can we create more romantic dates that it involves mm. both of you and it doesn't put the other person on defensive? I love that. I love <laughs> that. When you said that you were going to take the master class, I thought you were going to say something about master dating. That's where my mind went. Oh. <laughs> well, I mean, I guess you could do this with yourself, too. <laughs> hey, two birds, one stone. Master class, master date. There you yeah. go. Yeah. Learn how to talk to yourself. I do it all the time. I am a pro. Also, just want to call out, there was the best review that I saw the other day come in that said that from listening to this podcast, oh, yeah. I became a better master dater. And then they also wrote, and I've been master dating a lot lately. <laughs> <laughs> Anyone coming new is like, are they talking about masturbating or master dating? Solo dating for the record. <laughs> I kind of love it that it's like our inside joke. You either yeah, get it or you don't. But we also realized that this word has been around since like 2015. I think we thought we like pegged it and then we're like, oh, actually, there's an article from 2015. <laughs> I don't, I'm not taking credit for the creation of the word. I'm just taking credit for making the word viral. That's all. We brought it back. We brought it back. Just like dink. We brought just it back. Just like dink. Now it's relevant again. Sadly. It's all, you know, it's like fashion. Things just come back. It's all <laughs> yeah, retro. Recycle. Yeah. The mom jeans from the 90s. Exactly. What the fuck? I okay. cannot get behind that. Cannot get behind it. <laughs> I tried, Julie. I tried many pairs at the store this weekend and it no. was not good. No. I look like a mom. <laughs> I'm okay not being Gen Z. I've realized that. <laughs> I guess when you're 13 and you wear mom jeans, you will never look like a mom. But when you're 40 and you wear mom jeans, <laughs> you look like a mom. So, you're like, yes. are they on trend or are they just a mom? Yeah, are they just <laughs> because uh, she's a mom and yeah. I would just look like I'm just a mom. <laughs> yeah, well, it's the crop top mom jeans. I don't know. I'm still not on it. I'm not on the trend. I can't do it. I can't, I can't do, do it, it either. We're showing our age. It's okay. <laughs> Age, with age comes wisdom, right? <laughs> We're wise enough to be like, that is not a good look. Julie, we just keep telling ourselves that. That's all yeah. good. But I am going to be like a kid tonight because I am going Ooh. on a Ferris wheel. 
There's like the big Ferris wheel in Golden Gate Park that they put up during COVID time. So I'm going on a date on the Ferris wheel and I'm very excited about it. How fun. That's going to be so fun. So how does this work exactly? I'm just picturing one of those like Ferris wheels in the middle of Vegas with a bunch of drunk people in a cart. Like how how are you separated from the drunk people? Everyone has, you have to reserve a cart. Uh So he got the VIP experience. Oh, damn. What does that mean? So I think you you get a nicer cart, like it's like leather, and then you also like get to stay on it longer. So I was all for it. Yeah. Um, Whether it's going to be rowdy people next to us there, I have no idea. I'll report back. But yeah, I think they like limit like six or eight people per one. But we'll see. Can you do like some hanky panky on this thing? Are there cameras? I don't know. I don't know. (laughs) Can you test it out for us, Julie? Just, you know, asking for friends. (laughs) Yui's like, I might have to book the... She's like, I wasn't thinking about doing the Ferris wheel, but next time I'm back in SF, I'm booking it. And bring a blanket. Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) Well, that sounds like fun. That's going to be a great time. Yeah, I'm excited. I'm very excited. What are you going to wear? What's that like? I'm still deciding. I don't know. This is I got to figure that out after this recording. I feel like getting dressed for dates this day and age is very difficult. Like this happened to me last weekend. I was like, okay, I want to wear something cute, like a dress or something. Because I just wear like, I feel like I've worn on these dates like yoga pants like all the time. And I'm like, it's really not the best look. Like it's before COVID, I would dress up, you know? Um, So I was like, okay, how do you? balance walking dressing up and being outside like how do you balance all three it's a very difficult look to pull off it's very difficult that on top of i wear a lot of accessories and i don't know how to put the mask over my Mm -hmm. accessories and take it off and on there's a lot of first world problems yeah (laughs) with (laughs) dating apparel But it's still fun. We're still keeping it fun, right, guys? But the reality is, if you're on a first date, most likely all they're going to see is your coat anyways. You just got to invest in a good coat is really the moral of the story. I think so, too. A really cool, like, yes, nice, classy coat you can always (laughs) wear. Okay, so I I was teasing Julie before we recorded that I have a really good story to share with her. Oh, yeah. Okay, so... You never know when you're going to run into dateable listeners. Like, you just don't know, right? Because we are talking out into the abyss, and we don't know who's really listening on the other side until you tell us that you're listening. Uh, I've been purging a lot of stuff, cleaning out my new place, and I was selling something on Facebook Marketplace. And right before this, right before this. Is that who you just let in? Yes. This person just came over to grab my vacuum cleaner. And um, he was like, hey, I noticed because, you know, Facebook Marketplace, you can see mm-hmm. everything about the person. You just click on their profile. And he's like, hey, right. I noticed um, you do dateable. I'm like, yes, uh-huh. I do. He's like, oh, I just moved from San Francisco and a bunch of my friends listen to dateable, especially Anchel. And I'm like, we know Anchel. We've known oh, her yeah. for a long time. Yeah, <laughs> we love her. She's great. He's like, oh, yeah, she's she's one of my good friends. And we've been on this like we we all listen and talk about dateable oh my god what's his name can we give him a shout out or is he shy Koshal. 
It's like social, but with a K. Koshal. Koshal. Yes. Thank you, Koshal. I love it. What a small world. What a small world. He's a neighbor. He just moved here from oh San God. Francisco. Like, what are the chances? So, Just saying, though, he could have picked someone else's vacuum cleaner, but probably seeing you on there with the vacuum cleaner, that probably sealed the deal to go with you. Yes. I sold the vacuum cleaner. The, the vacuum cleaner did not sell itself. It was me. I agree. <laughs> like someone has the same make and model that lives next door to you. And he's like, no, yeah, he's going like, with no, this one. No, no, going with a dateable girl. But also <laughs> shout out to Anshul. We haven't seen you in a while, but we miss you. And it's always so fun to catch up with you. So we're going to like Facebook message you right after we record today and say hi. That is a fun <laughs> story. I love it. You know, if we had only done this intro half an hour earlier, we may not have ever even known this. We would have missed this chance encounter with Koshal. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. What else? What else is new before we dive into this episode? Should we get into our question then? Yeah, I'm trying to think if anything else as interesting has happened this week. Not really. Yeah, things yeah, are fun. Things are good. Things are good. Um, I've been cooking gobble meals for date nights, too, Ooh. which has been really nice. You're selling those so well. I love them. I got Caitlin and Jason, who are two of our moderators, hosts. Like We're like, we have a text string all about gobble meals. It does look really good. Yeah. It does it's really. damn good. It's like restaurant quality, but... Anyways, <laughs> not that exciting, but just thought I would mention it. <laughs> this episode is not brought to you by Gobble, but we just turned it into a sponsored message. Gobble, pay up. Yeah. <laughs> Come back. <laughs> Come back. Yeah, we miss you. All the sponsors have left. You're the one that got away. Hey, I'm still I'm still supporting every week. <laughs> yes, you are. Yes, you are. You're spending back the money that they gave us yep, exactly. for sponsorships. <laughs> like times how we do 20. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> We're losing money on their sponsorship. Yeah. Thank you very much, Cobble. <laughs> That's the conclusion. Um, Before we go into our question and stuff, like I think last week's episode had just such an overwhelming response. I think people mm-hmm. loved Talking about love bombing, there were so many great comments in the Facebook group, people that were like questioning, like, I think the 1% narcissist really, you know, I think a lot of people were shocked by that stat, because I think people throw that out all the time. I'll give a shout out to Amy Sharp, who had a really great post. She like posted actually from British Columbia, beautiful scenic picture. And people were like, Mm -hmm. oh, I wish I was listening to the podcast there. But she had a really good point that made me wonder, it's like, why is the word love even in love bombing? Because this isn't love. This is manipulation. Oh, on you! If you're on YouTube right now, you can see that That's view. A picture, so beautiful. <laughs> Such a great point. Why is the word love in love bombing? Who makes up these terms? That's what I want to know. Like, who is the master? I mean, I guess we've made some up. So that's who. Just some random the person. Patriarchy. Some random person made love bombing, and it became it. But I, I get why it's called love bombing because it's like overwhelming acts that come up too fast, too soon. And Tim, actually, Tim Huey, one of our most dateable mm-hmm. contestants. contestants he had you know he had some really good like feedback about just mm-hmm. like wanting to know a little more like what makes like i think he was like i'm having a little hard time did like with the connection between like oh buying someone roses and that's love bombing and i think mm-hmm. that makes sense too because i'm 
sure there were a lot of there's probably a lot of people out there that want to like put their best foot forward and they don't want people to think they're love bombing so it's like I get where he's coming from it's like okay like I thought roses were nice and now someone's gonna think I'm love bombing like what is the line and I was like thinking about it too and I think it's not necessarily the action or the gift I think it's like like where does this stem from like does it feel impersonal does it feel like Mm. they're they're doing it because they want to give to you or does it feel like they're doing it for their own self-worth I think that's like Mm. the distinction like I think if someone gave roses and they genuinely like wanted to give the rose like I don't think it's the rose that's the problem and I don't know if that's like the best answer because it's still ambiguous but I think it's like the intention behind it a little more yeah I think Tim brings up a really good point where the episode we do focus quite a bit on if you're on the receiving end of mm-hmm. love bombing, what do you do? But how if if you're the one giving out the gifts and affection, how do you draw the line so that the person you're giving all your affection to doesn't think you're love bombing? And I just think back on all the times that I've been love bombed and the the line I really believe is have you had a conversation about what matters to this person? Mm-hmm. And I think I personally think it is I I think flowers are really great. But if it's our first date and we didn't have any prior conversations about getting flowers for no reason, it's kind of it's kind of like a lot. Right. But if I've said to you in a text message or in conversation, I love getting for no reason gifts or for no reason flowers, then it, it then there's a reason for those gifts. So it has to come from meaning that you that both of you share or have like discovered totally I actually recall a conversation I had with someone that he wanted to bring a candle to his first date like as a gift oh yeah and I was like don't do that don't do that there's no need he's like but I like to give gifts on the first date and I'm like it makes it feel like you're putting this person on a pedestal and not just getting to know someone if you guys had a date you talked all about candles and how much she loved candles and then you brought the candle that would make sense because there's context but there's no context here and that's when it comes off as like it what it does is it now says like do I have to do something back for you like it it Mm -hmm. makes it more like transactional and it makes it more like I don't know there's something like about that that can feel overwhelming to people so that that's a really great example I'm glad you brought that up because it goes back to Tim's question too when someone says oh I like to do this on first dates I like to bring flowers on the first three dates I like to give a lot of gifts you are not speaking with your date Mm -hmm. as the center of this action you're saying this is what I like to do but when it comes to affection and gift giving shouldn't it be about the other person yeah so if you do this on every first date honestly it doesn't make the other person feel very special because apparently you love doing it with everybody that's a really good point like i think it's the i versus you center and it's like are they like if you're doing it out of a place that you're trying to get them to like you versus you're doing it out of a place that you know they'll really enjoy this yes 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 queen that's it (laughs) but i do i'm watching too much broad oh my god oh we have an episode coming for you all that's can't wait wait for that one that was the laugh i needed this week that was oh the best can't wait sorry to tease you we're teasing big time (laughs) but it if you've watched broad city there's a certain scene that stands (laughs) out that may give you a clue to what we're talking about 
Yeah. The last thing I want to touch on from what Tim said, though, just like really quickly was the use of the word normal and like Mm. what is the normal pace of a relationship in phase. And he did call out like maybe the word normal shouldn't have been used. And I 100 percent agree with him. And like I think like, for instance, like right now, the person I'm seeing is like things have moved pretty fast, but it doesn't feel like love bombing in the slightest. So Mm -hmm. it's not that like there's no normal pace. There's no like you should see someone once a week and that's it like it doesn't have to be so calculated so i do think like i i I think that we as hosts too and this is something we'll be conscious of is like then that word doorbell comes up whether it's in the context of dating or fetishes or whatever it may be like that word i think that word needs to gotta be put away yes i love that thank you tim for calling us out and because of you we are deleting normal from going in the graveyard go into the graveyard there really is no place for that word anymore there's no such thing as no such thing as normal so yeah let's dive into our question if you've been with us for a while you know we've started this new segment all about nude a segment or nude <laughs> you gotta you gotta go back a few episodes for that joke, yeah another yeah. inside joke you gotta <laughs> you either know or you don't okay you just, just need to be listening to dateable every week is the moral of the story and be in the be facebook like group. in the facebook <laughs> yeah. group yeah exactly <laughs> talk to your friends about it shoot us a dm you know the yeah joke. find us on facebook marketplace i'm selling a lot of <laughs> shit <laughs> come on through no need to go to love at the time of corona anymore just hit us up on facebook marketplace <laughs> i know anybody need a toaster just just asking uh so the the new segment is all about uh, answering some popular dating questions that you've all sent us and now we have a platform to address them so this question question is a very common one we've heard, which is when you're on a date and someone asks you, so tell me, why are you still single? (laughs) How do you answer that? This one's a tough one. I do agree. It like sets it up for judgment almost. But I Mm -hmm. think what I would say is like, you know, I haven't found the right person yet. Like keep it vague and optimistic like I don't think you need to like use this as a reason to like air your whole like slew of dirty laundry um, unless you're at the point that you're comfortable sharing your past with someone but if it's like a really early date like I think you can keep it light and fun and you could just say like hey I was prioritizing moving to when I moved to a new place I wanted to build a life for myself and I prioritized friends and work and all that and now I'm super ready to be in a relationship like spin it also we learned this through Corey's techniques too it's like how have you what were you and then how have you changed and that's what's telling the story so as long as someone i think really the root of this question is people are trying to suss out if you're relationship ready like that's really Mm. why someone's asking you this like i think everyone has unique life experiences and there's no formula that's correct or incorrect but i think people can just turn the story into like what is it that they're looking for now and what they learn to get to where they are now. Yeah, that's a really good point. I also think people ask this question as a way of asking what's wrong with yeah, you. Yeah, totally. Right? Well, because they, they don't want to waste their time. It's like at the end of the day, like, that's where it's coming from. Some people use it as a way of flattery, too. Like, mm. oh, I can't believe such a good catch like you. Why are you still single? Uh, I would... Totally agree with everything Julie just said and also just add, like, I I think you can always start this with 
it's it just hasn't been my time or right. it was just I was meant to be single because I think sometimes when you chalk it up to the universe and its plans for you, it makes a lot of sense. Like I wasn't meant to be in a relationship mm-hmm. for the past few years, but I now I am meant to be. Right. So it's all about how you spin it. Everything in marketing lingo <laughs> is like, how do you spin the story? The story, I agree, you do not need to divulge or get emotional <laughs> or start defending yourself or be like, what do you mean? Like what you're trying to ask me what's wrong with me just be just be very positive in the way you answer and then I, then I'd be like so how would you answer that question yeah like, flip the script. totally <laughs> it's only fair I actually hate that question because it implies that there's something wrong with being single also right so I think you could just say like hey I've learned a lot over the last years I've really discovered myself I've enjoyed my single time but now I'm also realizing that I want to share my life with someone or form a partnership it's not that either is right or wrong it's just a different stages of life, you had different needs. And I think you can use that to tell your story, pending that's what you're looking for on a date. If you're totally fine just being single, I think you own that. But if you are looking for a relationship, share the progression of what you learn being single and why that actually is going to help you be a better partner today. Or if all else fails, just go single. What do you mean? (laughs) (laughs) I'm in a relationship. I'm Polly. That's my BTW, right? (laughs) Want to join the party? Yeah. <laughs> you single? Love it. Cool. So a c- quick few announcements before we get into things. We have our live stream this Wednesday night. We are going to be revealing the May member of the month. I am really excited because this person has been nominated by so many people, like overwhelming amount of nominations. And I love that you all are starting to nominate people too. So keep yes. that going. If you're in the Facebook group, we need to figure out like a more official nomination right now. It's kind of like a... Uh, on the slide TM, but we'll get there. We'll get there. But this person, I'm super excited for you all to hear from them. I think they have a ton of wisdom. They offer so much to the group. So we're super excited to do this live stream this coming Wednesday. If you're listening to this on Wednesday, it's tonight. Okay, get on. It's this today in an hour or whatever. (laughs) And yeah, and if you're not already in the Love in the Time of Corona group, that's where the live stream is going to take place. So join that Facebook group. Eventually, we will be changing the name. But for now, we're just going to keep it until, you know, we're finally out of the woods. We'll keep the Love in the Time of Corona. And of course... We always love you to be in the sounding board. We had a phenomenal happy hour last week. Like, we think we had our largest group to date. It was super fun. There were so many rooms. We had Brian, Caitlin, and Jason hosting. And they were just like, Brian had this game that I love. It's like, let's compare notes. Like, they'll talk about a topic and just like compare things. And then, I don't know, the host games, I think, like, we've talked about it. It's almost like you're doing like your mini podcast with your new crew, but doesn't need to be for the world to hear. How fun. Yep. How fun. Join that. But you you'll, you can only have access to Happy Hour if you join the sounding board. Yep. And we we'll have a great discussion actually this week with our bonus audio that we do. That will be on Thursday night. So our bonus audio this this month is all about blind spots, which I think is a very important topic in dating. Ooh. Heavy, heavy stuff. Yep. Okay, so let's do a quick message from our sponsors, and then we'll get into storytelling with Corey. This episode is made possible by one of our favorites, BetterHelp. Thank you so much, BetterHelp, for sponsoring this episode. What are some things that you like to change in your life to find more happiness? What do you think is preventing you from achieving these goals? The simple answer, at least in our eyes, is you got to prioritize your mental health. We at Datable are huge fans 
months of therapy and BetterHelp can match you with your own licensed therapist and connect you in a safe and private online environment. I was able to start communicating with my therapist in less than 48 hours. So boom, you get connected and you're ready to go. BetterHelp is committed to facilitating great therapeutic matches, and it's more affordable than traditional offline counseling. Their licensed professionals specialize in everything from stress, setbacks, dating trauma. So for the new year, we wish for all of you to live a happier life, and that's why, as a listener, you'll get 10% off your first month by visiting our sponsor at betterhelp.com datable. Join over 1 million people who have taken charge of their mental health. Again, that's betterhelp, H-E-L-P, This episode is sponsored by Rothy's. Have you heard about this company making stylish, sustainable shoes and bags? They're carefully crafted with eco-friendly materials like repurposed plastic water bottles and marine plastic. In case you haven't heard of them, they're called Rothy's. Their shoes offer zero break-in period due to their seamlessly knit-to-shape design. I opted for the navy houndstooth in the point style because they're so chic-looking that I could wear them to work or a night out. And they're also really comfortable because they're flats. Not to mention, they're versatile as well. I've worn mine with skirts, slacks, jeans, and dresses. Rothy's are available in a range of styles and come in an ever-changing array of colors, prints, and patterns. Finding the perfect style is easy because Rothy's come with free shipping and free returns on eligible items. And another reason to support this company, they've transformed nearly 100 million bottles into their beautiful products. Check out all the amazing shoes, bags, and masks available right now at rothys.com datable. That's R-O-T-H-Y-S dot com slash D-A-T-E-A-B-L-E. Style and sustainability meet to create your new favorites. Head to rothys.com slash datable today. Okay, shall we hear from Corey Rosen? Your story well told. How do you tell your story? Julie, I don't know if you've ever been on a date where someone says, so what's your story? What's your deal? Like, why are you single? How did you get here? What are you looking for? Like all those questions, right? They're mm-hmm. easy questions to ask. They're not easy questions to answer. And that is why our guest for this episode, Corey Rosen, is going to help us craft our story, not just with other people on dates, but with yourself. We are constantly writing stories every day. We just don't document them. So now we can figure out a way to document them and to regurgitate our story uh, and and tell it like it is. So who is Corey? He is 48 years old. He lives in San Francisco. He's been there for 18 years, originally from Rochester. He is married and he teaches improv and storytelling classes and recently published a book called Your Story Well Told. And Julie has taken Corey's classes to uh, to help with her storytelling. (laughs) Now, I don't know if this is a secret or not, but it has been a dream of Julie's to write a book. So this is really instrumental to get her her writing uh, side out of her. So thank you, Corey, for that. But (laughs) also we were like, you know, this is a great opportunity to talk about your dating story. And Corey believes that stories are what connects us, helps us express ourselves. And in his words, he says, becoming a better storyteller makes you more dateable. I think so too. Because if you're thinking about like, okay, so we have a telling our stories, but then we also just have being on dates and being a good conversation 
conversationalist, right? Mm -hmm. Like these are like skills that sometimes if you are a good conversationalist, you don't realize aren't necessarily like, you know, the norm for everyone. So I guess I'd love to go right into it, Corey, is like, why do you think stories connect us? Like, why is storytelling such an important medium? A great opening question. And first of all, (laughs) thank you for having me on the show. It is a a dream of mine to be on this as long as I've known Julie, (laughs) I've known about the Datable podcast. And so it's literally, this is my dream come true. It's just being here. And I am, I should preface this by I am, uh, I am married. I am in a relationship. I have some children, but I know, I remember what it's like to date. For me, I loved dating. I loved the process because dates are like these little, I mean, I guess they're like little job interviews, right? But they're also like little experiences that you have with someone, especially first dates where you have this opportunity to get to know somebody and to kind of discover who you are with that person. Less about show who you are, but like discover who am I with this person and who is that person with me? Because, you know, we've all been on those dates where somebody just doesn't shut up, right? (laughs) And those people, I mean, bless their hearts. They're trying really hard. The not shut up people are trying so hard to impress their dates, but they're doing, of course, the wrong thing because they're overselling and they're, they're not sharing the floor. And so the impression that that gives off is I don't want to be with that person because that person talks all the time. So I'm not going to be with that person. And we've also maybe been with the person who doesn't talk at all, who lets Mm -hmm. you do all the talking. And then that person (laughs) comes off and maybe they're, they think that they're being polite and kind and listening to you, but they're giving off the impression like she was so quiet and she was too, Mm -hmm. she didn't say anything because you're holding all your, all your cards. So I think that that's where the concept of kind of becoming comfortable with storytelling in, in its various Mm -hmm. forms of how people tell stories allows us as people, especially in the vulnerable situation that dating is, whether it's, you know, video dating, online dating, uh, or of course, in-person dating, remember that, where <laughs> where we have this opportunity to kind of uh, sort of establish our comfort zone, maybe mm-hmm. tiptoe out of it a little bit and show a little, a little bit more of who we are through the experiences that we're willing to share. And just to come really back to the original question of like, why, why are, are stories so important in this way? Because if you go off a list of this is all the things that I've done, that doesn't really impress or connect right. with anybody. But if you put it into a story, here was something that happened to me and this is who I am because of that, that shows us going through something. So whether that was our dating situation or I just got out of our relationship, but here's what I learned and here's what I'm looking for mm-hmm. now. Or maybe I'm new to town and here's where I came from and this is, and I don't really know that many people. And so my story is one of, of looking, of searching, of, of openness. How we tell stories and what we choose to share um, should open the door, not just present something, but open the door to a response to like, oh, well, it's funny you say that because that reminds me of my situation like that. And that for me is is like the the part that I kind of don't tell my wife. The part I miss about, <laughs> about dating is the new beginnings. I yeah, mean, there's really yeah. something so sweet and wonderful about starting over and, and, and opening up to someone who doesn't know us and doesn't have baggage and doesn't know anything about us other than what they've, you know, stalked. It's funny. One of our listeners gave that the name, the man when like you know it was a woman it could be a woman log too but it's basically when someone's just talking at you and I think another one you actually brought up in your book is like when people just start giving like kind of assorted 
in memories and there's no structure. And I think when it's like close friends, they can kind of piece it together. But if it's someone that you don't know, you're like, okay, this isn't making sense. This isn't interesting. Like it's to too you, much. yeah. It's like what much. is like a, what's like this good structure of a story that you could kind of give? Have you ever have you ever had your tarot cards read? Yes, I love you, that. You shit. know, that was like, like when they, <laughs> yeah, I'm not giant into it, but you know the concept of tarot reading where it's like they take a card. Like think about it like that. It's like if you have all of this interesting stuff to share, your job is not to overwhelm and to put it all out there. You don't have to read your resume. You don't have to say everything about you on a date. Like leave some to the imagination. Let there be something to discover. And even more, spend that time talking maybe about stuff that isn't the, this is what my job is. This is what my family situation is. This is what my, this is like, I find a good first date could be something where like, let's talk about something that has nothing to do with this here and now. Like, let's talk about third grade. Mm. Like, what do you remember from third grade and share a story or a memory from a long time ago and see like what comes to mind for that. And then you're actually probably going to engage into a conversation that might actually reflect on you now, but it's through this lens of something we actually have in common. We were kids. We skinned our knees. We did. So, so like, let's just open this up to you guys. Like if we were on a date right now. And I was <laughs> wow. Sort of, this is a, a triad. Here we are. And you get two women. There we go. Opportunity. I have a great opportunity. So, so if, if I was on a date with, with either of you and I was to sort of like, not to be in a creepy way, but I was like, maybe something, maybe something happened today that reminded me of that. Like today I was at Lake Merced. I live in San Francisco. I was at Lake Merced. Right. And there was all these people um, boating, like rowing on these boats. And it's funny because it reminded me, I grew up in in upstate New York in a little town that's on the Erie Canal. Mm -hmm. And I remember like in songs, the Erie Canal is the stuff of legend, right? Right. But in my life, the Erie Canal was disgusting. It was this sort of polluted brown water that had this legend that people would jump off of a bridge and they called it scum jumping when you would jump into the like. Erie Canal. And the legend was that one time a kid jumped and he landed in a cow. <laughs> right? So that was the big, the legend of that. So that was like a memory that I had that came up today was that was that on one hand, I never scum jumped and I feel kind of proud of that. And two, I never scum jumped and I'm kind of sad about that because <laughs> I would never now scum jump. So that's like a story, I guess that was a story version of something that I could or maybe would share on a, on a date. I guess. Mm. So if someone was with you and say said that, like what what might you do or think or respond? So let's pretend. Let's role play. I mean, I would go and say, I just have this very irrational fear of water, especially water that's near a city or in a city. For example, when I lived in New York, the Hudson River scared the shit out of me. I would think it was full of dead people and aliens. Maybe dead aliens altogether. So yeah. when my friend asked me to go kayak in the Hudson River, I was like, hell no. But then I had, I fast forwarded to this Corey Rosen moment here and thought I would probably regret it if I left <laughs> New York, never kayaked yeah, in the Hudson yeah. River. So I did. And I thought I was I was going to either grow an extra toe or lose a toe. I don't know, one or the other, yeah, right? Oh it's, it's, it's a win-win situation, but nothing happened to me. It was dirty as fuck, but I had a good time. You know what I love about this though is because my mind went to like where I grew up. So we both like found 
around different mm-hmm. things off of your story. Mm-hmm. And I feel like this is like this this game you play all the time. The this reminds me of mm. and like like how do people like play off of each other? Because I think that's where the magic does happen in storytelling. It's a way to like converse and relate to each other. Like yeah. how do you like kind of like ping pong that conversation? Totally. So um, something that I suggest and recommend, and this is something that I use and I suggest for all all kinds of storytelling because I think that conceptually when people think about like if I was to just say like tell me a story like <laughs> you, when you started this out and you're like we're always on dates and you say things like what's your story yeah it's a it's a loaded and terrifying question yes, because we, we get <laughs> yes. like that deer in the headlights of which story do I tell which version uh-huh. of my story am I trying to impress you story is it the one to show my vulnerability story is it my love life story is it my work life story and I think in general people struggle with like tell me a story a lot of us clam up where there's like yeah. I don't know what to tell but the weird thing is if the, you sort of like open the door in a simple way you talk about boats or you talk about kayaks or you talk about dirty water like for all three of us that flashed a different memory from our lives mm-hmm. and even if it's not a story I'm just like well this one time I went kayaking on the Hudson River and it scared the hell out of me and I thought I was going to grow an extra toe like that itself while a fragment of a story is sweet is real is true is like we were talking about like tiptoeing out of our comfort zone like you've revealed something about yourself you lived in New York mm-hmm. we might have that in common oh I also had a thing with that and I like this I don't like that and it sort of opens up into what I think is a fundamental aspect of all kinds of creativity which is just really about being in the moment like being mm-hmm. kind of present so like when you're on a date it's not about what happened before it's not about what's gonna happen it's about like what's happening right now like what's happening right here and if you tell a story about something that happened a long time ago what I suggest is how does it relate to my life right now mm-hmm. as opposed to all these things that had happened to me like what is happening to me right now what am I who am I right now because we are a story in progress we are a work right. in progress and I think the more we reveal a little bit of our, our own humanity the more we connect with like oh she's not like you know this person that I can't connect with or communicate with he's not some jerk mm-hmm. who only talks about himself yeah, yeah. I kind of like how you brought in the story versus setting up the story and I like that it's related to something that happened to you let's say today or recently because yeah. I love going in on dates with something that happened during that day on my walk over here I saw this mm-hmm. and it reminded me of this from like when I was in seventh grade yeah. so they get a glimpse of your present life and your past life and it it doesn't feel as contrived when you like weave it into your current day totally well that's totally. what I love about that game because I remember the game from your class that yeah. this reminds me of and the whole idea is to like kind of work your improv muscles right yeah. it's like yeah. that you like you shouldn't come to a date like with a prepared story like right. you, <laughs> if you're if you're in Corey's storytelling class sure but maybe not for a date but I think like having the muscles to like kind of play off someone else's and I think like with your game it's not like oh we're gonna sit down and play this reminds me of but it's a good way to like you know keep the convo going although you could you could you could yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> hey, that's a good point should you come on dates with some stories yeah in mind true. I don't know I, I feel like maybe for some personalities it would give them some kind of guidance or a safety net 
Could be. Here, here's my, this is very me in terms of my mindset, because you mentioned improv. Like I do, you know, I perform as an improviser. I kind of use improvisation in, in my life and in my work. But I think that improv also, that concept scares a lot of people. Like they think of improv mm-hmm. as like, you know, whose line is it anyway, or comedy improv. Mm-hmm. So I do want to be clear about the idea and also stuff that I, I use in the book in terms of like improv exercises. It's not to make you a clown or a, or a comedian. It's stuff to make you think like an improviser, which is to use what's right in front of you. Mm. So to your question, I think the idea of coming prepared, these are the stories I'm going to tell. It's not a bad idea to like have a story in your back pocket, though I would suggest kind of like what Julie was is sort of setting me up to lead you in into actually play this game. And let's demonstrate this for people. Yes. How yes. might you actually play a game on a date? And here's a way you could do it. So you could say something like this. You know, I read this, I'm reading this book right now. It's called Your Story Well Told by Corey Rosen. <laughs> it's and, fabulous. And it's by the way. And in it, he has this game, do you want to play a game? Right there, you're going to learn something about the person. If they go, absolutely not, they're like, all right, this is a safe person. This is a no person. This is someone who doesn't want to play games. Let's like, let's talk about appetizers, right? Get the shrimp. Okay. Um, Or if they say yes, then you say, here's how the game is played. We start with a word and maybe we'll just pick a word at random. So like you'll open up the menu and you'll see monolith. And you'll say, okay, Monolith makes me think of that movie 2001, which, um, you know, I remember I saw at the Castro Theater in like, you know, there was like a big Stanley Kubrick festival because I I love going to the movies. So now your partner goes, say something from the story that I just told, right? Mm -hmm. It could be about going to the movies. It could be about Stanley Kubrick. It could be about the Castro. It could be about anything and say some part of your story. And you'd call it, say like Stanley Kubrick reminds me of, and then you would, either of you could go, could riff off of that and say, that reminds me of, so go. I mean, I thought initially when I heard Castro Theater, it reminded me of this um, sing-along movies that they used to have, (laughs) the Disney sing-alongs. Like Little Mermaid was one that I went to recently. And I remember being like, wow, this movie is super archaic. And then (laughs) I think just you talking about Little Mermaid made me think about, it reminds me of the time when I first watched Little Mermaid. And I was like, she has small boobs like I I really thought she had small boobs and I was I felt camaraderie in knowing that she had small boobs like me is that nice. really fucked up as a kid yeah. okay so small boobs um, <laughs> reminds me of reminds me of um, I think it, it, I mean to be honest it reminds me of summer camp and about sort of like just going through like those feelings of like seeing like a bra strap for, a, for like a uh. young boy and how like that was enough to get me excited like I didn't have to see the boobs just to see <laughs> the thing that was maybe connected some way tangentially. Another thing I could say is small boobs also reminds me of when I was in fifth grade, I convinced my mother to take me and my friends to an R-rated movie for my fifth grade birthday party. So we were like, how old are you in fifth grade? 10? And we saw Hot Dog the movie. And my mom was like, why is it R-rated? And I said, well, there's some frontal nudity. And afterward, my mom was like, there was frontal nudity, there was backal nudity, and there was sidle nudity. There was every kind of nudity. <laughs> and the nudity reminds me of now. <laughs> I think it's like, <laughs> but I think this is so great, though, because I love like, I mean, I think it really probably depends on your personality type. Because I could see, like, if you kind of just are training yourself to have this, it can just doesn't necessarily have to be a game. It can just be like a natural progression. It's a little hard for me to step out because I definitely am someone that probably just can like flow with it more. But I do agree, like if you are someone that maybe struggles with this, either proposing it as a game or coming prepped with a story 
here too. And obviously putting it in when it makes sense, not just like changing gear mid-conversation and being like, this one time at Bandcamp 10 years ago, you know, like that'd be a little weird. But like, I do think probably like depending on your personality, it makes sense to kind of play it both ways. It's true. I mean, I think the concept of of date stories is, you know, like it, to some degree, we are presenting ourselves. We're, you know, connecting with that person in a way that shows who we are, maybe what 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 we're all about. And I feel like it's also loaded, you know, like there's some fear that goes along with that of like not wanting to give off the wrong impression. But if you think back, maybe you guys could share with me, like, is there a time when, when a date went really well? And like, was there some... Thing that defined it in the conversation, in the flow of the conversation, maybe to either prove or disprove this theory that I'm presenting out here, which mm-hmm. is the idea that rather than coming loaded with these are the four stories I am going to tell on the date, that I'm going to be present, I'm going to listen, I'm going to re- react and reflect on that. And I'm just curious from your standpoint, have there has there been a situation on a date where a story helped to seal the deal or helped to go the other way? I think absolutely in the sense of like, when I think of the best dates I've been on, it's when I feel like I'm just connecting with a friend and just sharing stories organically. I'm definitely not coming with a story ready to roll and like present. But what it is, it's exactly this reminds me of it's the exact game without playing the game. It's just like playing off of the stories. Like I remember with like a past ex of mine, like we talked about pranks that we pulled on people. And it wasn't like stuff I'd even thought about for years. But because he was telling a prank, then I would tell a prank and it would just kind of like ping pong back and forth yeah Uh, for me it's like i understand i see the value in humorous stories or whimsical stories but i've really appreciated just real real stories so for example my current partner when on our first date i I knew he was divorced i wanted to hear the story how did Mm -hmm. you why did you get divorced and he had a really nice way of telling the story that was compelling that was insightful and also really respectful i i just felt like a deep sense of connection Connection from a real, real story right. that was that was authentically that. him. Can we talk that. about that actually? Yeah. Because yeah. I feel like a lot of people we hear all the time. We hear people being like, "I don't want to share that I don't have that much relationships history," mm. or yeah. "I don't yeah. want to share that I just got out of a divorce," or "I've had nothing but failed relationships." Like, how do you kind of craft that story to you know be positive? This gets to the heart. I think of what a story is, you know, like the heart of what a story is, is that there's a difference between an anecdote, you know, something that happened and a story and the difference you know, for your listeners to learn or understand is that a story is is something where there is a change in the end, where things were like this, something happened, and now things are like that. Mm. And that is really the basic building blocks of a story is stories are about change. If nothing Mm. changed, it's not a story. It's a thing that happened, an interesting experience. So if you are divorced and you are going to tell your divorce story, then it really think about it that way. Like what, how am I different than I was before? What was the Mm. once upon a time? Like when I got married, I was pretty young and I really, you know, thought I was in love because it was the first time I'd ever been in love. And through my marriage, I realized that, um, you know, my partner and I, we just, we were, we were so young that as we were discovering who we were in this early, you know, our late teens and early twenties, that we discovered more and more that what we were holding onto was what we used to be and not what we would become. So as we decided to split up, what we just discovered is that we needed some time for ourselves. And so since that day, I have great respect for my partner, but I know who I am now better than I did back then. 
You know, wow. so you could tell a story where there's a change. I was like this and now I'm like that. That was exactly his story. So did you coach him <laughs> through this? Like that was pretty much verbatim his story. I am I am available for, for divorce divorce coaching. No. Divorce stories. I'll get but your I, story down. Yeah. But I mean it's true. And a lot of people can relate to an experience or a story like that. I mean, can I tell you my my in a nutshell, my my dating story? Yeah. Yeah. I was a serial long distance dater. Mm. Like I was the best at it. I loved long distance relationships. I would go on vacation because on vacation, I was my best self. Like I was mm. amazing. I was relaxed. I had nowhere to get up for in the morning. I could go out. I could be, woo. I was like, so me because there was no stress in my life and in my brain. Right. And then I would meet someone because they'd be like, wow, you seem so chill and so cool. And then we would, you know, kind of hook up and then I have to leave. And now we're on the phone. I miss you. I <laughs> And then we get together, we would have a vacation, she would fly out, I would fly there, we would see each other, it would be this hot and heavy couple of days. And then, you know, a couple of weeks in, we realized we were pretend dating. Like we weren't really together, we were living separate lives. And then every once in a while, we were pretending, we were basically having like a, you know, every two months hookup. So when I met someone, I kind of became cognizant of this pattern. So I met someone, started the same pattern all over again. And just when I was like, it's time to break up, I was like, no, I. this is what I do. Hmm. I am not going to break up. So when she said, I'm going to move to San Francisco, and I said, okay, I'm going to help drive you across country. And day one of that drive, I was like, this is a terrible idea. And I... <laughs> I knew that I should have trusted myself, but I I was like, I'm in, I'm in. And now I'm committed. Now she's driving out. So then she moves out. So then I go through this, this dilemma. When do I break up? She's moved here for me. Do I give it a month? Do I give it six months? And now I'm in this, tra- now we're planning vacations and now we're planning things and our parents are coming. Like I felt myself in this spiral of this trap. So I went to therapy and my therapist was like, um, and she really wanted me to go into therapy. And my therapist, he didn't say break up with her, but he was like, he got into like what was really going on here. And what I discovered is that it wasn't her that I was connected to, it was my mother. That my mother, my mother loved her. And my mother literally told me, just so you know, we really love her. And I didn't want to disappoint my mother. So ultimately, it wasn't her that I had to break up with. It was my mother. And so I became a big boy the day that I broke up with that woman. And she packed her things and moved out of town about a week later with her mother. Um, Our mothers actually know each other. So it was a very long and delightful story. But there's a happy upshot to this story. Upshot, and Julie, I don't know if you know this story, is that that relationship and that woman and I who went our separate ways is now happily married with children to a man named Corey Posen. No. What? <laughs> yes. 100%. She is married to some, my name is Corey Rosen. She married a man named Corey Posen. So I believe somewhere firmly in fate that there she was always meant to be with Corey Posen. And somehow there was a fatalistic oh, accident that she accidentally connected with Corey Rosen. And now she is seriously married to someone whose name is off by one stroke of the wow pen. but i love i love that story because i feel like you could also share it like with someone new like let's say you've overcome this like you know i want to say your serial long distance dating and then you could like kind of put this funny twist that like my the last person that i did this ended up with Corey posen and yes. what i learned is that like you know whatever you your learning was like i think yeah. it's it's tying back to the change i think that's so important like mm-hmm. what what would you say for someone that's struggling with their story if they haven't had a lot of relationships? 
relationships because we hear this one a lot. Like, I don't want to admit that I haven't had a girlfriend. I don't want to admit that I haven't had a boyfriend before. That's a great question. Um, Because, you know, we all start somewhere and it's okay. You don't have to impress us with your resume and your prowess and how many people. Like, I think there's an over or under emphasis on that in terms of like, like your your level of experience. I think the friendships that you have are Mm -hmm. uh, probably more important in your life than maybe the relationships or the partners that you've had. So if you think about the, the, um, you know, like, how, how do you rate yourself in terms of your uh, healthy ability to communicate? You know, I think I think a lot about the four agreements. Like, do you know that the four agreements concept? Um, But there's basically this book written that are called the four agreements, which are great things for just humans to know about, but especially people that are engaging in in a relationship or a partnership, because they're based on four things that you and your partner basically agree to agree on. And the first one is is um, that your word should be impeccable. Like, are you speaking your truth? Are you speaking impeccably? Is what you say what you mean? We could be really hurt, hurtful and harmful with the words that we say mm-hmm. to each other. And words can build bridges and words can destroy relationships. You can say something that you don't really mean. So if you say it, make sure that you mean what you say. The second two kind of go together is is uh, don't make assumptions. Uh, when you're talking to someone and they say, well, I haven't been in a lot of relationships. Don't assume that that means that they're going to break up with you or they're inexperienced or something like that. Like, like the fact that they haven't been in relationships might be that they just haven't met the right person, that they haven't been around, you know, someone that the situation hasn't been right. Or maybe they've been focusing on other parts of their lives. Mm-hmm. So if you are a person who hasn't been in a lot of relationships, you can frame it in a way so it's not like a negative thing, but it's like, you know, like I've really been focused on you know my friendships and settling in a new city and getting my mm-hmm. getting my career off the ground and it's a good thing like now I'm excited to get out in the world and start dating so open it up to them what what advice would you have for me for someone who hasn't dated a lot like let it be a positive thing you know mm. like like look at it some in some way that you could kind of open the door to a to a positive thing as opposed to a, a secret that you're holding in your hand like I can't show the the virgin card or the never been in a serious relationship card or whatever. It's like, you've been doing other things with your life, you know, right. and you have interesting, like vivid experiences to share. And wouldn't you be lucky to be my first serious relationship? You know, that's kind of how right. I look at it. And then right. don't take anything personally. Don't take it. Per- do your best. Thank you. So don't take it personally. So if somebody says something to you, honestly, most of the time, it's because they've got something going on. They're nervous. They're worried. They're upset. They had a bad day. Like somebody yells at you. Like in in my story, there's an angry woman, "Ah, ah, ah," like road rage (laughs) beeping on my tail as I'm driving my kids to school one day. And she ends up punching me, by the way, through the window of the car. She punched a a mother at my kid's school at drop off, punched me in the face. And later in reflecting on that, it's like, what kind of a morning was she having? That she would, that she was late to school, late to work, this idiot in front of me is driving slowly and be laying on the horn and that she would, what would drive her to punch me in the face? Like, sure, it was shocking and surprising that she would punch me, but I also put myself in her shoes. So don't take it personally is an aspect. And the last one is, is just do your best. Like at the end of the day, we're all going to screw up. We're all going to make mistakes. Like, did I do my best? Did I put my best foot forward? And I think if you can apply these on a date, even better, right? Speak impeccably, like represent yourself the way that you want to be represented and don't misrepresent yourself. Listen to the other person. When they say something, don't take it personally and don't make assumptions, you know, ask follow-up questions. And at the end of the day, do your best. Let's take a quick break for a really quick message. 
We are so excited to share with you our new podcast exit interview. Dates don't usually end with a satisfaction survey, and yet we rate everything in our lives, from Uber drivers to local coffee shops. So why don't we do the same thing when dating? We're here to conduct the ultimate romance review, featuring daters hungry for love who have agreed to call up old flames to gather honest feedback. Welcome to Exit Interview. He upgraded himself to business class while I was in economy. <laughs> Wait, wow. What? There's feedback that will make you cringe. She could be a little bit hard-headed, like not reading the writing on the walls. And feedback that will make you swoon. But she said that she had feelings for you. I had no idea. Really? And maybe you'll learn a thing or two yourself about how you can be a better dater, lover, or partner. Obviously, like, knew I was going to learn something. I didn't expect this. Welcome to Exit Interview. Listen to Exit Interview on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. And you do like to promote this very important improv technique. It's called yes and. So I, I feel like it goes into these four truths. So can you kind of touch upon what that is for anybody who doesn't know? Absolutely. So in any kind of a creative situation, and I think conversation is a creative situation, you um, are co-creating something together. If you are in a manalog, womanalog situation <laughs> where you are where you are taking turns telling your stories, it's going to be a very boring Night. Yes. It's going to be ping-ponging of, I told my story about this, then he told his story about that, yeah. then I told my story about this, then I had to pee. And then he told that, you know. <laughs> Whereas in, when you are co-creating anything, um, there are kind of two fundamental ways that people tend to communicate. One is the way we are often at work, which is where we say, no, because... Or we say, yes, but, where we basically are problem spotting. Like somebody says something, well, I don't want to do that because of this. And we have a lot of great, logical, rational reasons to not do things because it's too expensive or it wouldn't make any sense or it we don't have the budget for it. Or it's not it's not a logical, rational thing. And then there's yes and, which is the idea of let's look at it and let's frame it from like, what do I like about that idea and how what can I build on that? So in creating something or co-creating something, including a conversation or relationship, read them, read their verbal, mm -hmm. nonverbal cues and their verbal cues. What are they saying and what are they not saying? And pass the ball, like build on what they say. So you don't have to literally say the words yes and, but when they say something and you say, wow, it's funny that you say that because I also like swimming in the Hudson mm -hmm. River, or I'm also <laughs> afraid of sharks. And when they react, give them air, give them space to react and mm. build it together. So that way the conversation, hopefully the relationship will go somewhere that you never expected that together you are more than you were alone. Mm -hmm. And you discover, wow, we're a lot alike and I feel good and I feel supported and I feel like uplifted by the person that I'm with. I mean, for me, that's that's what it's about, especially if we're going through a hard time, if you've been through a difficult year, which a lot of us mm -hmm. are and have been, if not all of your stories are funny, that's a, even more of a time to listen and to build on. It's not like you don't have to make everything okay. Sometimes we just need to listen and hear each other and say, wow, it's thank you for sharing that. I really appreciate you you opening up. Right. Well, mm -hmm. I think as soon as you say the no, it closes people off and they feel unheard. Yeah. Yeah. And that's like the worst feeling, whether you're on yeah. a date, in a relationship, in life, it's just a bad feeling. So I love yeah. the yes and. And it also keeps the momentum going, too, of it. Like I'm thinking of the example I gave about like the pranks. It was kind of like a combo of yes and. And this reminds me because it 
kept like building on one another. Yeah. And I might, in that situation, I might say, oh, tell, tell me, you know, tell me one of the pranks. Like, I love a good prank. And did you ever get in trouble? You ever get busted? Right. Mm-hmm. right. Yeah. It could even just be asking the follow up questions. It might not even yeah. be a story. Yeah. When you ask a follow up question, that shows that you were listening and you weren't <laughs> just waiting to talk. So that yeah. leads me to another game. I, did I ever teach you this game? It's called Sparkling Moment. No, I don't remember Ooh. this one. All right. Do we have time? Can we play yeah, a quick game? Yeah, let's do a quick one. Okay. All right. UA, you're going to tell a 30-second story. And so, Julie, your job is um, is not to interrupt. Your job is just to listen to her story. And if you, if she stops before 30 seconds, and UA, your job is just to tell, I call it a sparkling moment. So it's just a true story about something happy. You know, something positive. It could be something that happened today. It doesn't have to be the most happy thing ever. Just like, well, I think of this one nice thing that happened or a time a long time ago or a thing a week ago or something. Like, does something come to mind that you've got? Yeah, I think so. Okay, great. So I'm going to start as soon as you start and you're going to have 30 seconds. I'll tell you when time is up. Okay. Uh, My dad is not the best at expressing his emotions or his softer side. But yesterday when I was over at their house, I brought Mojo, my dog, with me. And uh, through the grapevine, which is through my mom, she said, your dad... He whispers something to me while you brought Mojo over, and he said, "Sometimes I mistaken him for my true grandson." <laughs> and I thought it was the cutest thing because he really loves Mojo. And time that was perfect, perfect, beautiful, a beautiful story. All right, Julie. So now your job is you have 30 seconds to tell back the story that you just heard as close okay. as you can. Okay. okay. So, um, and UA, your job is not to interrupt her or correct her or, or set the record straight. I want you to just notice what she picked up on. So Julie didn't know this going into the exercise that she was going to have to do this. <laughs> so your job is just be kind, listen, notice what she picked up on, maybe details, maybe not details. And I've already talked for too long. So Julie's maybe already forgotten some things. Yeah. But here we go. So you have 30 seconds as be- as well as you can, okay. as good natured as you can, retell the story. So UA went to her parents' house. Her dad does not always show his emotions all that well, but her mother, little Birdie, told her that her dad was super excited to come over to see Mojo, her dog, a.k.a. his real grandchild. All right, so now you've just told a story and you've just retold that story. So let's start with UA. In terms of that story, like how did she do? Really well. She picked up all the highlights. That's all I needed. Yeah, nice, nice. And Julie, how did it feel for you? What was that experience like having to retell a story and not being prepared that you were going to have to do that? Yeah, I think it made me hone in on how well I was actually listening. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Was there anything that you observed, anything uh, sort of like how would you extrapolate this? How might this manifest itself in a dating situation? Yeah, I mean, I think from a dating situation, it's obviously important to listen to someone. Nothing is more annoying when you tell a story and then they don't remember it. Or like a second later, they're asking you something totally different or basically repeating it. I've definitely been on dates before where I've repeated the exact same stories. It felt like deja vu on the second date. So I think it's really important to like be an active listener. And it also helps me because I could have used the techniques we were talking about earlier of like, this reminds me of or yes, and if I was actually listening to the story, if I was like daydreaming and thinking about like, you know, my next margarita or whatever it was, then like yeah. it wouldn't have been a very engaged conversation. Yeah. You anything you would add to that? Uh, you know, I, I felt like 
there was this sort of a connection because I revealed a little bit. I mean, there was a lot of vulnerability in that story, I would say, because, say, you know, talking about my dad and his lack of emotions <laughs> is for one, especially on a first date. I think Julie picked up on that. But also when she told the story back, if she told it in a positive way so that the punchline was the positive outcome of the story. Yeah. Nice. You know what it made me think of too, Corey? You have this other game that I used to love, Color in Advance. Yeah. And I want to do that in real life so bad. So like for anyone that, yeah, I'll let you explain it more. But basically it's like when there's some people that give too much color, like too much Mm. details. And they'll tell, like we actually even see this in our Facebook group. Sometimes people will walk you through like every last thing that happened on a date. And it's like, I just didn't read it because it was too much. And then there's some people that will tell the story in like one second flat and leave out all the detail so like what's the right amount of like how do you strike the balance between the two so it's it's both there are people who are full of color in terms of like color is the shorthand for like descriptive text Mm. and all the the nuance and the kind of the stuff that when you're describing something makes it feel non-generic you know like you don't say like i walked into the hotel it's like it was a giant soaring you know ceiling with a big glass chandelier in the middle and a chocolate fountain in the middle of it and a troop of girl scouts were all you know sitting on top of their luggage ready to leave you know like creating a, a visual image that we see that hotel or that that setting helps us as storytellers and as listeners to enter the world of the story. But if it gets in the way of what happens in the story and you forget, like, what am I paying attention to? Because I'm thinking about the Girl Scouts and the fountain and the (laughs) chandelier. Like, like I forget about the fact that like, this is about a meeting that I'm supposed to have. Like put the details in that help like guide us. Like you're Mm. painting a, a canvas, like a word picture and what you decide to color helps us understand what to focus on. Um, And at the same point, if your story is only details, I walked in the lobby and I went to the room and I had the job interview and then I came outside (laughs) and I got in my car and I drove home. It's like, it's just what happens. It's like, okay, and how was it? And, you know, but then you you give us a little bit of like, oh, and the guy had this thing in his teeth. It's like broccoli in his teeth and he had this great comb over and it was really like, I will never forget this guy. Like he just, he was sweating. He was sweating profusely and, and I feel he was more nervous than I was in the job interview. So I ended up making making him feel bad, like mixing color and advanced color, you know, the details, the texture, the Mm. descriptions and advance of like what happens will make you a better storyteller because it adds texture, but it doesn't take away from what's happening. Oh, I used to love that game because you basically someone would be telling a story and you'd just be like, advance, advance, advance. Oh, and then you're like, color, add more color. Can and you I'm do like, that on a date? <laughs> I know. We would always say that actually in your class. We're like, can we just do this in real life? Just be like, advance, advance. Oh my gosh. Stop I talking. wish I could do that at work at every yeah. Zoom meeting. I'm like, advance, advance, can end, end meeting yeah. now. <laughs> yeah. Well, here's the thing. Here's the thing. It's like, it's a language, right? It's like a shared language and you actually can't. I mean, my wife is also an improviser. So like she literally does that to me all the time because I will be telling her. And and I'm also a freaking storyteller. So she's like, Corey, everything is in a story. Like you can just tell me what happened. You don't have Uh. to make, well, you know how sometimes I, like I have a way of, of over storifying things. And so she'll just say advance, advance, color, (laughs) color. Maybe not on a first date. Maybe you should try saying just advance, advance color when you're actually in that relationship. Then you could pull it out. I am going to try that with my boyfriend all the time. Oh, my God. Because I always just finish a sentence. I know what he's going to say. He's just a slow speaker. Next time I'm going to say advance. 
advance. And it's not it's not that you don't want to hear it. It's like I get it. Go on. Go on. I get you. Advance. And you can even advance in advance. Like advance, advance, advance. Okay, well, color. Okay, that oh yeah, well, that's what I want to hear about. (laughs) And then that's an interaction. Your whole interaction, I can just picture it now. (laughs) See it. Color, color, color. Yeah, advance, 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 advance times ten. Yeah. <laughs> seriously, seriously. And I'll even say that. I'll be like, get to the meeting. Like yeah. don't like the mm. setup, like let's just get to the part. So sometimes there's that. I can I throw one more thing in about mm-hmm. the sparkling moment thing, yeah. which is yeah. there's a reason, getting back to the four agreements, but also like there's a reason why we are not heard on our dates. Mm. And it's the thing that happens, it's like a human instinct, which is that as people start to tell a story. Our brains are listening, but they're also thinking of our response, Yeah. right? Mm. What am I going to say? What am I going to say? And so we start waiting our turn. And so like a game like the Sparkly Moment game, when you kind of practice active listening and you practice telling backstories, or maybe just in your own head, think to yourself, I am just going to listen to the story in a way where I can say back and reference back the story that mm. I just heard, makes that person feel so heard and mm-hmm, understood right. and seen. So what a great gift that you can give to someone that you're on a date with by just giving them a minute to tell a story. Yeah. And, you know, yeah. I love that because I feel like sometimes when we think about storytelling, it's about telling the story telling and the being story. the one there. But just as important is the listening piece, yeah, especially yeah. when you're on a date, 100%. I yeah. think another piece that I'd love to go into is that like, it's how you tell the story too. I actually was on this uh, mock date and it was <laughs> myself the dater and um, a dating coach. And I remember he came in and like, he asked the guy that was, it was the mock date. He's like, what did you do today? And he's like, oh, nothing. It wasn't that interesting of a day. And I was like, oh, you just told me like a few minutes ago that you just got here late because you were at a massage. And then the dating coach was like, we can work with that. He's like, what if you came in? You were like, I had the best massage ever. Like, you know, like, let me tell you about this place. So I do think a lot of it is like, how do you frame it? And like, from your perspective, I remember even in your class, like getting on that stage and like the presence that you had. Obviously, you're not like getting on a stage for a date, but there is some like presence that's needed like what would what are your tips well a, a date is a is a stage you're right i think that, <laughs> i mean there is there's a, there's an aspect where we are i mean i talked about my long distance you know or my vacation guy like that was a character that i was doing like we are mm. to some degree while we're balancing trying to like being honest and true and this is who i really am but also like we put on a nice shirt and we, you know, brushed our hair and, you know, whatever. Like we we are putting a, a version of ourselves out there. And um, I think, I mean, again, to me, it all comes back to just being present, like being here in the now. What's happening right now? If you're coming in too much carrying like stuff that has happened in the past, I mean, you, you it's it's always good to, like we were talking about reference, like, you know, I was biking over here and I saw this really crazy thing. This guy was trying to run across the street to catch the bus and he was, he was, holding his dog and he fell and he actually used his body to protect the dog and roll over and everybody went over and helped the guy up and he didn't miss the bus like the bus even waited for him and he got up and he slowly you know like telling something that happened right now Mm -hmm. this isn't a performance thing this is just be real like be be 
comfortable being okay. You know, it's okay to be okay. You don't have to impress your date. If you can just be yourself, then I think it's it's putting your best foot forward because it's just being as you as you can be. We know when we're being kind of lied to or sold to. Mm-hmm. And that's what I think people can often fall into the trap of is like, like <laughs> I'm we- I'm wearing a suit of pretense, you know, and I'm smiling and I'm be- yeah. acting happy, but I'm really, I was like, it's like, you're like, can I be honest for a second? I am just, I need a glass of wine. Can we just have a, can we just, mm-hmm. get some, you know, like, you know, or, or open up and, and listen. If you're not in the mood, mm-hmm. if you're nervous, see if they, if they have something that's going on with them. And I would say also to that, that dating workshop or that thing you were describing, <laughs> if somebody said to me, if I was there, I was like, how was your day? Like, well, nothing really happened. I'd be like, oh, what are, what are nothing days like? God, I would love to have a nothing day. You know, like mm-hmm. I would just try to build on what is mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. instead of faulting them for being boring or for having nothing to say, I would try to find a yes and mm-hmm. like, like mm-hmm. wow, if I had nothing to do, this is what a dream day for me, you know, <laughs> right. like, like build on that in some way. And find how can I build on that in some way so that you are keeping some level of, you know, interaction momentum. That's that's my spin on that. I think, though, what I'm taking away from this, too, is that, like, I think what happened with the scenario I gave is he just thought this was, like, a mundane thing. Like, he didn't think it was important. But what I'm gathering from you is, like, you can make mundane things into interesting stories. Yes. It's just how do yeah. you craft it in a way that feels compelling and gives that emotion and whatever else. Yeah, so maybe we can go into that because that'd be a good technique for people to learn is not everyone has a story mindset like you, Corey. And so in what someone might see themselves as like a mundane day, how can they find the story Mm -hmm. in their day? I have a technique I use all the time that I love for that, which is the idea of this. You are in your lives, right? You're in your story. Something happened today. Uh, maybe it wasn't the most interesting thing. Like I did, I took my kid to, you know, to Lake Merced and back. I do that all the time, right? Mm-hmm. But I try to look at my situation, maybe something that to me is a mundane thing. And I look at like, how might I like go kind of like there's this um, format like a thousand and one nights the Arabian Nights mm-hmm. famous story uses this structure which is like a nesting a story inside of another story so in that you've got you know Shahrazad and Shahariar you know she's telling him a story every night and in the morning he's gonna kill her but she gives him a cliffhanger and so he has to keep her alive another day you know you're familiar with this story right the thousand and one nights vaguely vaguely anyway, familiar so so the the way that she does it is then she tells a story so in this book. That's the the frame story. And then she tells a story. And in that, so once upon a time, and she spins a story about something. And maybe in the middle of that story, there's a parable. So it goes kind of another level deeper to the story of the scorpion and the ant or something like that. So what I'm getting at is nothing as complex as that, but but I could start with like, so, you know, I have a, I have a son and he's 15 years old and I, I've been taking him to school now that school's open. And then I think like, how does that connect with my life? I'm like, well, when I was 15, I remember there was this time where like I had to get picked up by my dad and my dad had this, you know, this old, you know, beat up, rusted out car. And I remember feeling so embarrassed when he would pick me up in this car because like I was just very self-conscious and self aware. And so it kind of brings me back to now of like, now I'm in this situation. And when I see my son, like not wanting to like be seen getting into my car, and it reminds me like, I'm just like that, like in how Mm. cycles are. Mm. So in other words, maybe not the best example, but the idea is take the nothing, 
the nothing or the maybe the mundane of your day or your life? And can you reflect it to any other time in your life? Mm, like yes. it reminds me of a time when I did this or I, I, I had a thing like that or I, I used to have to carpool and it was in the freezing cold and my mom wouldn't take me and I would take, you know, like whatever it reminds me. So that's a simple structure that anyone can use is mm. sort of start and end with now the the meat of the now sandwich <laughs> is is then it's like another thing that happened and it kind of instantly gives a structure to a story where like you sort of start with something that's happening now you flash back to something and then you come back to now and maybe now you have some insight or some reflection on how you were when you were younger Oh, I like that. I like that a lot. So I feel like we've gone through so many ways that you can like actually tell if someone's engaging with you, if they're like (laughs) going back and forth and all the stuff. What are some ways that you could like tell that someone isn't into your story? And like, what do you do from there? Like, are you just like, this isn't a fit or can you save it? Like save when they say advance, advance. That is a gift. If you can be in a relationship where someone feels comfortable enough to say color and advance, like get to the next thing, you that's that's a keeper. Hold on to them. But you are always getting cues from the people you are talking to of whether they like or understand your story or not. Like you have to read their body language. If you're midway through a story and you know that you're building up to the big funny part and they are looking at their watch or they're drinking their wine or they're looking at like it is time to stop that story or to turn it and be like, has that, has anything like that ever happened to you? Like, Mm. stop, stop talking. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Like if you get, if you're reading the room and they don't like it, react like, oh, you made a face. Why did you make that face? Like, let them talk. You know, don't mansplain, don't manalog, whatever you said. Womansplain, womalog. It goes everywhere. Everyone does it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) But it's like really you have to, you you get get real-time feedback. You know, like the best thing about stories is that you can tell if people don't understand because they cringe or they're they're not looking or it's not necessarily personal. Maybe they're thinking of their story that they're going to tell. And if you see that happening and you see their eyes going away, then say like, where did you just go? I saw you. Were you doing that something? Did I remind you? Know, like call them on it and see what happens. Then, then you're present. Then you're there. That's my. That's my hit on that. I've definitely been on those dates where I'm like, I'll just let this person talk. I am that kind of person, though. If someone just keeps talking, I just let them talk. But I'm making yeah. massive judgments in my head yeah. <laughs> about when this date's yeah. going to end and how. You're constantly downvoting, downvoting, downvoting. Yeah, yes, yes, yes. You should have like that knob of like, I like it, I don't like it. But I think yeah. that's a good segue to takeaways because I think sometimes that is coming from nervousness of the person. So what I'm yeah. really gathering here is that storytelling is not just you sharing your story it's the act of two people or multiple people you know like connecting via stories and a big part of that is active listening or you know like moving the story in the direction that you want to go like I love the part when you were talking about like if someone just said they didn't do anything you can still work with that so if someone is like giving you the manalog or giving you like the long thing like yes it's on them like to some degree but it's also on you to like make this a conversation Yes. yes. Yeah. Jump in there. Say, it's so funny you say that. Like, can, or can I just add something I want to mm-hmm. know? You know, like interrupt mm-hmm. them. And if they really don't like to be interrupted, 
that shows you something right. about yes, them. Exactly. That's information. But if you don't try, yeah. how do you know, right? Like if you're yeah. not actually yeah. engaging in it. Yeah. And I mean, I know it sounds kind of maybe corny or cliche in some way, but like, I think that there's nothing wrong with like, like saying like, you want to play a game? Mm-hmm. Like honestly mm-hmm. setting it up is like as a game, like I want to play this game where I'm going to tell a story and then you have to tell me back as close to the story as you can. And then we're going to bo- go both go. We have a one minute story to tell and just make the rules clear of like, we're going to try to retell the story. And so it's just, it's an exercise. It's a game and you're telling a story about yourself. Yeah. For anybody who's listening to this episode right now on their way to a date, you can bring up this episode. Right? <laughs> you say, I was just listening totally. to the Dateable podcast with Corey Rosen. He has a new book out. He has his game. <laughs> I really want to try it on someone. Let's try it. Yeah. I think yeah. it's a good way to bring it up. And say that. Say, I heard this game on this podcast. Do you want to play it? I have honestly, I've never had someone ever, if I said, do you want to play a game? I'm sorry. My kids sometimes say they don't want to play things because that's, <laughs> that's my kids. But like, I like even with stories, like as a storyteller and doing shows and stuff, the my favorite test audience is Lyft Line and Uber. Right. Oh, yes. Yes. Because you are in a car with complete strangers who usually have their headphones in and their phones mm-hmm. and they're swiping or whatever. And I'm just like, hey, can I tell you guys a story? And I've never had anyone say no. Like everyone, huh? Someone's telling a story. You hear and you get real time feedback right. from people. So, well, I love yeah. that too. Cause like I think it is like, yeah, like we're saying you don't need to come with like a prepared story. But some of this is an art to like become, you know, like a better storyteller and conversationalist and craft your own story like we were talking about like there's a spin to everything so some of it is practice and some of that might be with your friends with Lyft drivers like you'll start to see those like nonverbal cues which I think are so important that again like sometimes when you're thinking about being a storyteller you're just thinking about talking not the receiving aspect of it it's true it's true yeah so I think this is a good challenge for anybody listening right now is for the next let's say next two weeks Every day, craft a story, craft a story about your day. And I will use these two techniques. I want, I'm, I'm gathering these two from Corey. So let me know if I'm making these up. A reflection and connection. Find something to tell a story about during your day. Reflect it back to something maybe in your past or near past or whatever. And then connect it back to your present day. So reflect and then connect and then to see what happens for the next two weeks. Because I think this is a muscle. We just do not work this muscle. We go from day to day thinking these are not stories to be told. It's not that exciting. It's mundane. But if you removed yourself and said, oh, my gosh, if I were an alien on Earth observing my day, I'd be like, what the hell is going on? (laughs) This is crazy. Look at her behavior. So you can always craft a a story out of your days. Um, And I, I challenge everyone to do that. And I, I would also say this, like, I think, again, I, I'm going back to my experience of storytelling and on dates. It does not have to be epic no. or so funny or life changing. It could just be a day to day story. And that is enough. And yeah. don't feel I feel like people feel the need to entertain. It doesn't you're not there to entertain your date. You're there to share. That's yeah. it. I think that goes back to the very beginning is storytelling is meant to connect. So I love this like 
not entertain 100% agree. I think ultimately, as long as we can form a piece of connection and relate to one another, that's really the benefit of storytelling when it comes to dating. It's true. So Corey, your book, Your Story Well Told, where can people find it? People can go to any bookstore. So I am strongly encouraging to go to your local bookstore. If there is a store in your community, in your town, um, you can go there. If none of those uh, come to mind, there's places like Barber's Bookstore, which is a Chicago bookstore that I'm doing an event. Um, oh, cool. Like an author event with and Flint Ridge Books in LA. They're locally owned small bookstores is a great place to buy it. And if you just must buy it, Amazon, of course, has it. <laughs> There as well. But on my website, um, which is CoreyRosen.com, I also have a list of independent bookstores, Black-owned bookstores, BIPOC bookstores, like places that you can also find it and um, both support me, but also support, you know, local businesses that would really appreciate your help. I love it. And we're super excited that Corey is going to come to one of our sounding board events also and actually take us through a lot of these exercises and really help you all, you know, flex those muscles. That's going to be super interactive and hands-on. Yeah, there's a lot we didn't touch upon yet. What about like the whole tell me why you're single story? (laughs) Tell me, tell me why you're on dating app story. Yeah, well, I think what we're going to do in that. So that's actually going to be like a like a workshop Mm -hmm. for your Mm -hmm. listeners to get together and actually play some of these games. So you'll have a chance to basically meet other people, but also like try these Mm -hmm. things out. So I highly recommend check it out when the when the dates are announced um, and come to learn it by doing like that's really I think also the best way to learn these things. You can read it, of course. But try it, take a risk, try it and see what see what happens. Love it. Thank you, Corey, for taking your time to be on our show. We are so happy to have you as a guest and to have you back for a sounding board event. And for all of you listening, it really helps us get awesome guests like Corey if you give us five-star reviews in Apple Podcasts. <laughs> Just yeah. go into Apple Podcasts, hit those five this was stars. Definitely, this was definitely a five-star episode. Yeah, this, five plus. Leave your story a as a review. Yeah. <laughs> yes, do it. Tell Leave us your why story you and, yeah. Why you listen to Dateable? Share that story. (laughs) Yes, or just hashtag advance, whatever. Like, put that that in your profile if you want to bond with other listeners. Um, But yes, in all seriousness, it does help us get awesome guests just like Corey. And um, we are going to wrap up this episode. Stay Stay Dateable! Advance, advance, advance. The Dateable Podcast is part of the Frolic Podcast Network. Find more podcasts you'll love at frolic.media slash podcasts. Want to continue the conversation? First, follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter with the handle at Dateable Podcast. Tag us in any post with the hashtag stay dateable and trust us, we look at all those posts. Then head over to our website, datablepodcast.com. There you'll find all the episodes as well as articles, videos, and our coaching service with vetted industry experts. You can also find our premium Y series where we dissect, analyze, and offer solutions to some of the most common dating conundrums. We're also downloadable for free on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Overcast, Stitcher Radio, and other podcast platforms. Your feedback is valuable to us, so don't forget to leave us a review. And most importantly, remember to stay dateable. 